Well, this evening, if you don't mind taking the Word of God, please, with me and turning our first text here, we'll read the book of Job, chapter 11. Book of Job, chapter 11. And we will begin reading from the first verse. Then answered Zophar the Naamathite and said, Should not the multitude of words be answered? And should a man full of talk be justified? Should thy lies make men hold their peace? And when thou mockest, shall no man make thee ashamed? For thou hast said, My doctrine is pure, and I am clean in thine eyes. But oh, that God would speak, and open his lips against thee, and that he would show thee the secrets of wisdom. They are double to that which is. Know therefore that God exacteth of thee less than thine iniquity deserveth. Canst thou, by searching, find out God? Canst thou find out the Almighty unto perfection? It is as high as heaven. What canst thou do? Deeper than hell. What canst thou know? The measure thereof is longer than the earth and broader and the sea. And our reading there this evening, I seek the Lord in a word of prayer. Father, we thank Thee for Your Word. Lord, we pray that as we look at something of Thyself, open Thou our eyes that we may behold wondrous things out of Thy law. Lord, as Moses prayed, we would also show us something of Thy glory that you might be glorified in us. For Jesus' sake, amen. Amen. Well, we have begun a series in the evening on the attributes of God. The attributes of God would be his characteristics, things that are true about God that he has revealed from his word. Last week, we thought about the importance of the knowledge of God. And we looked at 2 Corinthians chapter 4, in verse 6, we saw that knowing God is everything in the Christian life. We noted that Abrakel, one of the um, men from the times of the Puritans in the Netherlands, said that the knowledge of God, the character of God, is the foundation of all religion. That absolutely everything flows out of what we know about God. And so the knowledge of God is not only important for the Christian, it is absolutely foundational to the Christian. And we noted how that the most important thing about any man is what he believes to be true about God. For example, a low view of God has a ricochet or a domino effect. Your view of God affects your view of yourself. Your view of yourself affects your view of sin. And your view of sin affects your view of salvation. So if you have a low or an unbiblical view of God, you will almost certainly have a high, distorted view of yourself. And if you have a low unbiblical view of God and a high, distorted view of yourself, you almost certainly have a light view of sin. And if you have a low unbiblical view of God, a distorted high view of yourself, 
at a light view of sin, you have a very watered down, shallow view of salvation. And you will not be able to rejoice in the salvation that you have because you don't see the weight of your sin, the gravity of what you are and what you have done before God and don't understand the holiness of God and what it meant that the eternal God would send His Son to be made in, to take upon Himself in a union with Himself human flesh that He might save us. That God is Son not sparing, sent Him to die and take away our sin. So the, our knowledge of God is absolutely fundamental to everything in the Christian life. Everything. And as we pursue the knowledge of God, knowing God from His Word, there are two ditches on the side of the road to knowing God. Two ditches. These two ditches you could call, one, basically the people who say we cannot know anything about God. I don't know if you've ever met anybody who calls himself an agnostic. An agnostic. They say we cannot know for sure anything about God. That's one ditch on the side of the road to the knowledge of God. And another ditch is a person who says this. Basically, we can know everything that there is to know about God very simply. That is somebody who could be called a rationalist. We can know everything about God that is to be known. These errors have plagued the church and everybody who's sought to know God throughout the centuries. Some would answer this, some would answer the question, can you know God? And they would say as agnostic, no, man cannot know God. He's content with his argument. He says, listen, there's no need to worry. Nobody can be sure, nobody can be certain of any knowledge of God. Nobody can be certain that God exists. And so this leaves man without any fear of God. He can have some kind of comfort that probably, maybe even, or maybe there is a God. So life is not altogether purposeless, but we can't know anything about God. We can't know anything for certain. So he can live in a sort of, a sort of twilight. And then the person who says, we can know everything that there is to know about God. You might know some that say something like, God is the man upstairs. God is just like you and me. He's not much different. He sits up in heaven and he wrings his hands and he can't get done what he wants to get done. He's trying so hard, but he just can't do it. He's just a man like us. We can know everything about God and we can know God very easily because God is just like us. So it seems that either God is totally removed from us so much that we can't know Him at all or He is so close to us that in fact He is just like us. But what is the Bible's answer? What does the Bible say about knowing God? We don't want what philosophers say, sometimes even what theologians say. What does the Word of God say? This is the word of the living God and is the only authority for faith and practice. So what does the Bible say? Well, the Bible teaches us something very interesting. It teaches us that God is both unknowable and He is knowable. It means that we can know God, but there is also something of God that we cannot fully know. God can be known, but God cannot be fully known. And that's what I want us to think about this evening. I'm going to title this, God's Knowability. 
Can we know God? Yes. Can we know God fully? No. We cannot know Him fully. Well, in the first place, let's think about this. God is incomprehensible. If you could turn your Bibles to Judges chapter 13 and verse 18, we'll be turning to a couple of passages to see this. If you can't turn, it's all right, I'll just read them. After Manoah asks the angel of the Lord what was his name, the angel replies, Why askest thou thus after my name, seeing it is secret? The word secret here speaks of that which passes knowledge. The angel is saying, My name, meaning what I am, the angel of the Lord, the Lord is, in himself, in the deep recesses of who he is, it's secret. In Psalm 145 and verse 3, the Bible says this, Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. Unsearchable. God cannot be fully searched. He is deeper than the fathomless ocean. He is wider than the expanse of the universe. He transcends all space, time, and thought. He is unsearchable. Unsearchable. Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 28, the prophet says this, Hast thou not known? Hast thou not heard? That the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary. There is no searching of his understanding. You cannot search out all of his understanding. But this is also taught in the New Testament. Just one passage. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 11. The Apostle Paul writes this, For what man knoweth the things of a man? Save the spirit of man which is in him. Saying, What man truly knows what a man is and all that is involved in the deep recesses of his soul except for the spirit that is in man? No one really knows everything about you except the spirit that is in you. And the Lord says this through the Apostle Paul, Even so the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. Meaning that a full knowledge of God, of all that He is, no man knows, save the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God that beholds the Father and beholds the Son Beholds himself. He knows all that God is. This means that no man has a complete knowledge of God as he is in himself. But perhaps no place in Scripture speaks more of this doctrine than the book of Job. You see, the chief subject of the book of Job is not the suffering of Job. It is the glory of God displayed in the suffering of Job. 
And so in the book of Job, we have many statements about God that are absolutely mind-blowing and amazing. Even some statements that are true made by his friends. In Job chapter 11, as we just read in the opening of this message, Zophar says, Canst thou by searching find out God? In verse 7. Canst thou find out the Almighty under perfection? Can you find Him out? Can you know all that He is? You can't. You can't know all that He is. It is as high as heaven, what canst thou do? Deeper than hell, what canst thou know? In Job chapter 26 and verse 14, we find, lo, these are parts of His ways. Just the edges of His ways. But how little a portion is heard of Him. But the thunder of His power, who can understand? All we know are the edges of His ways, parts of His ways, like the fringes of the garment of God. All that we know are just parts, edges, a little bit of His ways. In Job chapter 36, verse 26, we find, Behold, God is great, and we know Him not. Neither can the number of His years be searched out. Chapter 37, verse 5, God thundereth marvelously with His voice. Great things doeth He, which we cannot comprehend. We cannot comprehend. This word comprehend is taken from the Hebrew word, which means to know. We cannot know. Now we know from Scripture that we can know God, but we cannot know Him fully in all that he is. And so we look at this verse, chapter 37, verse 5, and we find this word comprehend. We cannot comprehend God. Well, the word comprehend means, taken from Webster's 1828 dictionary, a great source, to understand, to conceive, to hold, or to contain in the mind. Job is saying this, I cannot contain all that is true about God in my mind. Everything that is true about God, I cannot contain it in my mind. It is not possible for me to contain it all. If the mind of every single human being that has ever lived, ever lived, was given the ability to live till the age of Methuselah, and every moment of their life was dedicated to study the knowledge of God, at the end of 900 odd years, they would have not even begun to begun to know anything about God. He is absolutely incomprehensible. An illustration to perhaps help us understand this is taken from the life of Augustine. There's a famous story about him, this early church theologian. I'm sure you've, I'm sure you've heard it many times, but I think it's an excellent um, illustration. It said that one day he was walking by the seashore and he was trying to comprehend the Trinity, trying to make sense 
of the Trinity. When he saw a boy running from the water to the seashore, and this boy was filling up a seashell with water, and he was trying to fill up this hole that he's made in the sand with this water from the ocean. And Augustine said, what are you doing? The little boy said, I'm trying to put the ocean in this hole. And Augustine said, isn't that a silly thing to do? It's impossible. You can't fill that hole with the ocean. That hole can't contain the ocean. It's a hole this big. And it is said that the boy famously replied, it's no more impossible than what you are trying to do. You're trying to comprehend God. And see, the truth is this. You cannot contain, comprehend, understand everything that is to be known about God in your P mind. And neither can I. He is absolutely beyond us. Absolutely stretches our minds to the nth degree and then bursts the seams of it and we cannot comprehend Him. This same man said at one point, we are speaking of God. Is it any wonder if you do not comprehend? For if you comprehend, it is not God you comprehend. And this reminds me of something Dr. Cairns would say in class. All the time he would say this, aren't you glad you have a God you cannot comprehend? Because if you did, you would be God. You could not worship a God you could fully know and fully understand and fully comprehend and make sense of. Aren't you glad you have a God that you cannot comprehend? You see, the fact that God cannot be fully known causes us to worship. You know what this means? It means that you could study God for a billion years and He would still be interesting. It means that you can meditate on God forever and you would still find reasons to worship Him. It means that you will have reason for the endless ages to praise Him. That you could use a new series of words and it could go out and out and stretch for all of eternity and you would not even begin to exhaust all that He is and all of the reasons that there are to worship Him. The fact that He cannot be known means He can be the joyful object of our eternal study. He so far transcends us in His glory that we will be eternally, everlastingly, infinitely interested in and transfixed by His person. That is God worthy of worship and this is the joy of heaven. It's God. It's God. It's Christ. To know Him forever. And ever, and ever, and ever, and ever. And never to fully know Him. It is to be satisfied in Him, and then yet to feel thirsty again, and to go back to the fountain that never runs out, and to be satisfied again, and then to be thirsty again. Go back to the fountain that never runs out forever, and ever, and ever. Because God cannot be contained or comprehended. This means that we cannot truly define God. Because to define God would be to circumscribe God. 
We can only describe God. The most profound thought then, consequently, is God. No one could think any thought more profound than God. No human mind could be exercised to think about anything more profound and more worthy of their interest than to think about God and to meditate upon God. The sciences pale in comparison to thinking about God. History and philosophy pale in comparison to the thought that a man could have about the eternal and infinite God who is, the, who is the creator of all that we see and who is the creator of all philosophy and all science. It is God. You see, to have a God that we fully comprehend would be absolutely tragic. And this is what happens to the person, remember, the person I mentioned who says, we can know everything about God. God's just like us. We can know everything about Him. It's absolutely tragic. Because when you have a God that is like you, you no longer have a God worthy of worship. And you no longer have a God that can satisfy your soul. You need a God who is veiled in glory. Who you cannot fully know. Who you step back in awe of the mystery of who He is and you simply just say, Oh, the depths. Oh, the depths. The depths of God. This is the God of the Bible. God worthy of absolute worship. Why can't we fully know God? Well, it's certainly true that in this life we're sinful. We can't truly know God because we're sinful. We're constantly dealing with wrong views of God, being tempted. Certainly also, we're broken. We don't have good memories. We don't have the discipline to sit and to study and to know everything that we want to know about God. We're broken, but the most important thing is, and this stretches out throughout eternity, even when we're glorified, is the fact that we're finite. We have limits. God has no limits. None at all. No limits. No limits to thought, no limits to anything. He's totally limitless. But we have limits. So we can never, ever fully know God. And also, just keep this in mind, in this life, God has not revealed everything about Himself. Deuteronomy 29, verse 29, this wonderful text, The secret things belong unto the Lord, our God. But those things which are revealed belong to us, to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. There are hard questions sometimes in life. Why has this happened? Why has God allowed suffering and evil in the world? Well, we know it's for His glory, but the depths of the answers to all of these questions, God has simply not revealed some things. And we must rest our souls in the fact that God has simply not revealed everything about Himself. So I think we can see very clearly from the Word of God that God is incomprehensible. But then we also see, secondly, that God is knowable. If you remember the two ditches on the side of the road to the knowledge of God, were one, we can know everything there is to know about God. And then secondly, we can't know anything about God. We can't know anything about God. They say, the agnostic, that what we know about, what we could know about God is, is not ever certain. 
I can't know for sure. How do I really know? They say that everything that we know in this life is what we experience. And God, perhaps, maybe some of them would say, has just spun the world out into existence and He's left us to ourselves. But the idea that we cannot know anything about God is absolutely unbiblical. We find this in other religions. You know that the Hindus say that God is the unknowable one? They don't give Him names and they don't give Him attributes. There's a group called the Gnostics. The early church fought and they taught that God could not be known. He was called the eternal silence. You can't know Him. It's a secret knowledge. And no one will ever know God. Well, can man know God? I can't fully know Him. He's incomprehensible. He's absolutely limitless. And I understand that. But can man know God? Can the infinite bridge the gap to the finite? Can the Creator somehow be known by the created? I must answer emphatically, yes. Why? Because the Bible teaches that. In John chapter 17 and verse 3, the Bible says, And this is life eternal, that they might know thee. They might know thee. The only true God and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. Jeremiah chapter 24 and verse 7. And I will give them in heart to know me. Daniel chapter 11 verse 32. And such as do wickedly against the covenant shall they corrupt by flatteries. But the people that do know their God, do know their God, shall be strong and do exploits. Obviously, we can know God, but how do, we, how do we understand? There are certain verses that say that God is unsearchable and we can't know everything about God, but then here it says that we can know God. What it means then is, is that God cannot be fully comprehended, but He can be truly known. We can have a real, true knowledge of God. And to go back to the illustration of the seashell being filled with ocean water poured into a hole, you might not be able to fill the whole hole up with the whole ocean, but that hole is filled with real ocean water. And your mind might not be able to fully contain and comprehend God, but your mind is able to know something of God. And that's an incredible thing. That man can know God. And you see, what is a contradiction worthy of rejection? To the agnostic who says, you can't know God. A contradiction. You say he's unsearchable and yet you can know him. Is a mystery worthy of adoration to us. It's a mystery that God cannot be fully known, yet he can be known. But it causes us to worship. But how can man know God? Is there only one way? Only one way. Man can know God by revelation. God must reveal Himself. You see, the study of God is fundamentally different than the study of anything else. If I were to study the sciences, I stand above what I'm studying. I'm looking down on what I'm studying. I'm drawing information from what I'm studying. I'm above what I'm studying. But in the study of God, I am under what I'm studying. I am absolutely at the mercy of God to reveal Himself. I'm not above Him. I'm below Him. As a student of God, I look up and say, Oh God, reveal Yourself to me. 
Because that's the only way I can know anything of God. But the amazing thing is, is that God has revealed himself in two ways. His revelation, they called it general and special. He has revealed himself through general revelation. He's revealed something of himself through creation, through his works. Psalm 19 and verse 1 says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament showeth his handiwork. Romans chapter 1 verses 19 through 20. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them. For God hath showed it unto them. Showed what unto them? Himself has showed it unto them for the invisible things of Him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. God has revealed Himself through what He has made, through His works, through what He does, and is plain to all men. His majesty is shown and the glory of a mountain ridge. His depth and unsearchableness is shown in the beauty of an ocean. His creativity and beauty is shown in the coral reef. You think of the expanse of the universe. And the Bible says in Genesis, Genesis that he just he made the stars also. Why? Just to show his glory. Just to show how Amazing and awesome He is as God. Just to paint such a creation in such a way that His creatures would say, Oh, you are worthy of worship. And you can look at the smallest blade of grass and see the tender care that God has taken to design such a small thing with intricate perfection. You can see the way that the whole world revolves and you have the laws of nature and you have plants growing and dying and the earth continuing and we have food and we have sun and we have air to breathe and all that God has done in the creation of this world and it is to manifest who He is. But the problem is, is that no man looking at that can know God by simply looking at that. Because man is blind. We talked about that last week. Man is blind. And he needs to be born again. Amen. He needs to be born from heaven. Amen. He needs to place his faith in the finished work of Christ and be born again so that he can see God rightly in the world. Because without that he cannot see and he cannot know God. The only way that man can know God and approach God is through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that has made a way to approach the Holy One through the exhausting of His wrath on the Son and the making of a man righteous in Jesus Christ. But for the believer, God has given special revelation. And that special revelation, most importantly, although he gives visions and dreams and miracles, excuse me, he gave in the Old Testament, we see that the prophets, he has given special revelation in his word. This is God's revelation. This is not a book of myth. This is not just a book of history. 
This is the revelation of the living God. The Bible is the self-disclosure of God. All scriptures given by inspiration of God is breathed out and he has shown himself in the word of God. And only Christian, by knowing God in the word, can you rightly understand God in the world. The Bible is like a pair of spectacles that we put on and then we can rightly see the world. If we just took ideas from what we saw in nature and said, maybe this is what God is like, we would come up with a million contradictions. But if we take the Word and we see what God says about Himself in the Word, and then we view the world, then we will have a true knowledge of God. But the ultimate revelation of God is Jesus Christ. He revealed Himself in Christ. John chapter 1 verse 18. No man hath seen God at any time, the only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father. The Son which is in the bosom of the Father, which is in the close, intimate communion relationship of the Trinity, the Son and the Father dwelling with one another in eternal glory, He hath declared Him. And I'm sure you know the word declare. He exegeted Him. He manifested who God was, the Son. In Hebrews chapter 1, verses 2-3, through three, God has spoken in these last days unto us by His Son, whom He hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also He made the worlds, who being the brightness of His glory, and the express image of His person. This Christ of God is the fullest revelation of God. And when God the Son took upon Himself human flesh, robed Himself in human flesh, took into union with Himself a human nature, and He walked upon the earth, First as a babe in the manger, you see His humility, you see His mercy, you see His grace like nowhere else. And as He lived with no place to lay His head, putting Himself under His own law and obeying the law for me and for you, you see God like nowhere else. As He bends down, He heals the leper and the lame and the blind and the deaf, you see God like nowhere else. And when you see Him on the cross of Calvary, the king of love, dripping with blood on Calvary's tree, crowned with a crown of thorns, bleeding in shame and agony. You see who God is. And whenever you wonder through your circumstances or what you see, this is why you've got to take the Bible and read your circumstances through the Bible. Because if you look at your circumstances and say, you know what, I don't think God is good. I'm looking at what's happening in my life. He can't be good. He can't be good. Look at the cross. Is the God on the cross, is the God on the cross ever going to do anything not moved by love toward you? He is love. But we must always place our creed above our experience. Read our experiences through the Word of God. Not God through our experiences.
And God has revealed himself through Christ. But you know what? We see Christ in the Word. And it all comes back to the Bible. It really all gets back to the Bible. And just to say, by the way, it's amazing and it causes us to glorify God that God would reveal Himself. You realize that when Adam sinned and he was in darkness, that there was nothing that moved God in Adam to reveal anything of Himself to him. It's just sheer grace. God was Adam's exceeding joy in the fact that Adam was created to know and worship God. Then God could have kept himself from Adam, never given him a, a new heart to know him, and he would have been perfectly just because of Adam's sin. God could have left you and me in our sin and displayed his glory through casting us into hell and showing his, his justice, his righteousness, his holiness, and pouring out his wrath. But instead, we're vessels of mercy. And he spoke through the black night of darkness and he revealed himself. And I have it right here. The revelation of God. You know what that tells me about the value of this book? There is nothing on earth more valuable than my Bible. I love this book. There is nothing more valuable than this word. Nothing. Nothing at all. Because this is God's revelation. I can't find it anywhere else. But I have it right here. And every book of this Bible shows me something about my God. The value of this book transcends any ability of mine or anyone else to describe. Because this book tells me about God. And it is God's inspiration. It's infallible. And it tells you something about anybody who casts any kind of doubt on this book. Because what they're doing is they're really manifesting their own rebellion toward God. Because this book is God's revelation. And then it tells me something of the use of this book. Christian, if you can know God through this book and the Spirit's illumination, we must have the Spirit illuminating our minds. If you can know God through this book, get into the Word of God. Study this book. Meditate on this book. Pour over this book. Value this book. Treasure this book. And cry out to God through His Spirit, show me something of yourself when I read the Word. I want to know you. I want to know who you are. It's a blessed thing that we have this Bible, but it is the greatest tragedy in all the world for a Christian to hardly ever open this book. I'll tell you one thing. I knew a man who I worked for who lost everything, his family, he was a Christian, he lost his family, everything, money. And the whole reason was that for something like 20 or 30 years after he got saved, he never read through his Bible. 
And I remember him telling me, he said, you know, I would have saved my family. His wife was gone, his children. Won't talk to him. Everything could have been changed. I had all in this book. And I just didn't even pick it up. So may the Lord bless it to your hearts this evening. Encourage us to look in His Word, to see the Lord in His glory. Let's have a word of prayer. Our Father in Heaven, we bow before Thee. We are in awe of Your mercy that You would reveal Yourself unto us. We thank Thee for the Word of God. And we look forward, Lord, to that day when we see Thee in the unveiled glory, face to face, not in the glass darkly. We see you in all that you are and all of your glory. Oh God, we look forward in eager anticipation to know you in all that you are. You are our joy. We bless you. Thank you for sending Christ that we might know thee. In Jesus' name, amen.